Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Tanner D'Agostino. And this is The Sauce, episode 389 on the network. I want to thank a few people before we turn uh, turn this show over to Tanner. First, our audience, 60,500 uh, subscribers as of today. We're recording this on Saturday morning. Uh, we're challenging you guys to get up to 61,000 by the end of next week. Then we'll take a two-week hiatus, playing some old shows, some popular shows for you. And then we'll reconvene back in January. January 8th, I believe, will be our first show in the new year. But uh, challenging to get up to 61,000. Know you can do it. Five stars. Write some great comments. You know what to do. Uh, Second, the blackout coffee. Be awake, not woke. Uh, Coffee is on the sauce the rest of the month and all through 2024. Not sure where he's getting the money from. But if you use at checkout the sauce's code, which is TAND20, capital T-A-N-N-D, 20 at checkout will get you 20% off and then uh, 15% in perpetuity after that first purchase. So get as much as you can on that first one. And then to our very first guest on the network and our faithful listener, Ted Kubiak, three-time World Series champion, shortstop, uh, get his two books for Christmas. Great books for, for a baseball lover, great stocking stuffers, old school. It's, uh, it's Ted's view on the evolution of America's pastime through his eyes and then how to field a ground ball. Better than anything you're ever going to read, hear, or see. Certainly better than what you guys are looking at, the young guys are looking at on YouTube nowadays, thank God. But with that, I want to welcome Tanner. Welcome back to your show. I'm excited for another episode of The Sauce, and I'm really excited about the topics today. Yeah, we got a packed show for the audience today. Uh, just to kind of give you a rundown, we're going to cover conference realignment. going to cover the transfer portal, some high notes on there. And then uh, we're going to cover the, the SEC schedule, the new SEC uh, just got just got put out. So I'm uh, going to start with the conference realignment. So I, I asked you this question before, and the word on the street is that the SEC, with their with their reconstruction, has created a power two, basically. And in the words of, well, I won't say Paul Feinbaum because he loves the SEC, but those that go after him, the pundits around college football say that the SEC is ruining college football. Um, g- give us your thoughts on it. Uh, g- give us a kind of a a synopsis of the realignment. How did all this get started? Well, obviously, two years ago, two two to three years ago, Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 to go to the SEC. But as soon as Deion Sanders took place in Colorado six months ago, he left the Pac-12 to go back to the Big 12, which is where Colorado used to be. My personal opinion is that Colorado started most of this and that uh, one conference poaching from the Pac-12 created more conferences poaching from the Pac-12. And now we have a Pac-2, which is Oregon State and Washington State. Yeah, the Pac-2. And, and they'll play in a bridge schedule next year. I, I don't have that in front of us, and it's really not worth going into now because they're still trying to figure it out. But Texas and Oklahoma are huge losses for the Big 12. So rather than kind of accept that, you can imagine they're going to punch back. So they went after the Pac-12, but that started a whole snowball effect in the Pac-12. Um, so 
where where are the teams settled now? Just kind of give us a, an overview of of where we see you know who's got uh, who 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 did the Big Ten poach? Who's new there? Who did the the SEC poach? Who did the ACC poach? Because they poached some schools too. Well, the Big Ten came out as victors, in my opinion. They got the U- USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah, it's all, huge. All teams that are ranked except for USC, and USC is going to be great because they got Lincoln Riley now. Um, the Big Twelve ended up getting Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and as we mentioned, Colorado, which are pretty good teams. And then, so they got four Pac-12 teams also. Uh, yes. Um, and then obviously they lost Texas and Oklahoma, which are very big losses for a conference. Um, Pac-12 obviously lost uh, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Cal, and Stanford, which is a lot. It's, it's a, a punch lot. in the stomach right there. SEC uh, got two powerhouses. They got Texas and Oklahoma. Sure. They lost nobody. And then the ACC got Cal, Stanford, and SMU. And there's rumors that Miami might be going to the Big Ten. That's definitely a possibility. They might leave the ACC as for what happened, where the ACC isn't getting much credit by the committee and they're not getting enough respect, so they want to go to the Big Ten. And yeah, an undefeated Power Five not making the, the, the Final Four uh, certainly is a, an indication they're not. So Miami, but we've also heard Florida State, right? Uh, yeah, Florida State's obviously not happy by what happened. They don't. Feel, they feel that the the reason they were left out is because of the lack of respect of their conference, and they could be moving to the Big Ten, which is going to be the best conference in college football for years to come. So if that if that uh, if that came about, so Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA are all going to the, the Big, Big Ten. Big Ten. They could add Miami and Florida State uh, yeah. as well. That's in theory right now. That's the word on the street. SEC got Texas and Oklahoma, I think two two good uh, two good add-ons. Uh, Stanford, Cal, SMU, according to what you're saying, all went to the ACC. So the ACC got I don't know if they got much stronger, but they got bigger, and um, but they could lose two two of their better teams. And then of course Colorado went to the Big Twelve. Did, did where, Utah is where now? Did they go to the Big Twelve also? Yes, Utah went to the Big Twelve. Okay, so that's a good one for the Big Twelve. Picked up two good ones with Colorado and Utah. Huge losses, huge fan bases with Texas and Oklahoma, but Colorado, Utah, Deion Sanders is going to have that thing going. I think Utah is a top 10 program, you know, barring injury year in and year out. I like uh, what Kyle Whittingham has done up there. So so the, the, the SEC, I mean, they started it, right, by poaching two. Yeah. But everybody else just jumped on board and finished it there. So safe to say they started, but, did I mean, did they ruin college football? I don't think so. I think they ruined it for themselves. If If – they look at it as ruining it, and the Pac-12 not it be, the Pac-12 not existing, be ruining college football, and there being two super conferences as ruining. I think the teams in the Pac-12 ruined ruined it themselves. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how and why they conceded so easily, so quickly, uh, but it happened in a hurry, and it's really the membership, right? The membership makes the conference, and uh, as they saw one team jumping in another. And it'd be curious to see what happens to the Pac-12 if they, they maintain their existence and start bringing some other West Coast programs out that way. But with that is poaching, right? And I, I tend to agree, though. I think it's it's really going to be a power, too. You're going to see, I think, the Big Ten and the SEC. And right below that is the Big 12 and ACC. And depending upon what Miami and Florida State does, uh, we're, I think we're looking at a minor league, major league scenario with college football. So they can blame whoever they want. Um, 
but the college football governing body created this environment with a lot of things, the realignment, the TV money, the NIL deals, which are imbalanced, uh, the, you know, they're, people are going to go where they're, they're going to get paid basically. So whether it's a program or a player, uh, you know, speaking of getting paid, we're seeing the transfer portal continue to heat up. The first week there was roughly 1500 to 2000 kids in the first few days. Now we're seeing those big names come out, including, uh, you know, the, uh, the backup quarterback for Texas, which is surprising because they have a shot to play for a national title. You, you usually don't see that. Um, we saw, we've seen a number of high profile players come out, but you've got three in mind that you want to talk about at the prime time position, the quarterback. So according to Matt rule, right, we heard from Matt rule complaining that Nebraska doesn't get money mm. to get a bottom quarterback in the portal. You pay a million to two to get a middle tier one, three to 4 million to get a top one, six to 7 million. So want to start with McCord there from, was it uh, Kyle McCord from Ohio state? Where's he looking? He's looking, he's visited Syracuse and he's looking at Nebraska are probably the two main teams that are going after Kyle McCord right now. If you don't know who he is, he's the uh, former Ohio State quarterback. He had a very good season. He had 3,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, and an 83 QBR. So that's a pretty good season. And, now, he, and he had them competing potentially for not just a Big Ten title, but in a national title ranking first year as a starter. So. Um, great, great stats. Can read those for me again? So we got them. He had 3,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, and an 83 QBR. Yeah. So that's a pretty good season. Not up to like CJ Stroud, Justin Fields levels, but it's still a very good season for a college quarterback. What year is he? He is a junior. Junior. So he still has a, a year, probably two years of eligibility based on yeah. how they've done the COVID years and, and whatnot. So, so two years of eligibility left prime time competitive schedule he's played with Ohio State. They had the number one ranking for a while in part because what they said was a very competitive conference, non-conference schedule. So that's a that's a big one on the mark. So I guess uh, Matt Rule found five to six million dollars lying around. I guess he did. <laughs> so it's a good I, that's a great pickup. I'm surprised that honestly, not that Nebraska, Big Ten, correct, and Syracuse's ACC, not that they're not, you know, good programs, but I'm surprised that some of the 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 more powerful schools haven't gone after him with, with what he experienced at Ohio state. So, but there's still time, still time. Well, who else you got on your, your three. So we'll kind of get in this pattern each week until the portal closes. We'll hit three heavy hitters audience. If you want to hear more, let us know, but you're going to give them three every week and kind of update them on who they are, but where they're final. So, so McCord's down in Nebraska, Syracuse right now. Yeah. Okay. And we, we've got, we're, we're in the recruiting world here. So we've got some pretty good sources um, visits have already taken place. Uh, it's already been on campus. So who's your next guy that you're going to chronicle? Uh, Dante Moore, quarterback for UCLA. He's still looking at Michigan is the, the word on the street right now. He didn't, he had, he didn't have a great season. He didn't play much. He, uh, he had 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions and a 33 QBR, but that's cause he didn't play much. If he goes to Michigan, I think he'll have a great, great career at Michigan. He'll be- What's his style now? He he didn't play much. He's he's with Chip Kelly, UCLA. Right? UCLA had a down year this year. Chip Kelly runs, uh, you know, pro style offense. He's very adaptable. So you, he'll run his system based on what he has. He's was he that he was a starter at the beginning of the season and got pulled. Uh, yes. Okay. What what was the circumstances around that? Um. I think it was performance. He wasn't performing up to the level that they wanted, so they benched him. I think he'll, if he goes to Michigan, he'll be fine with that uh, playing. And I think he'll be fine with sitting behind McCarthy if he does decide to come back. So. What year is he? 
He's a freshman. Oh, okay. So he's a baby still. So yeah. he's he has uh and how many games did he play this year? Do you have that on your stat sheet? Did he did he play over a quarter of the season? Uh five. Okay, so just just barely. Boy, if he had played two less, he would have been eligible to redshirt this year. So takes a lot. I mean, think about it. They Chip Kelly brought him in as a freshman, true freshman, and stuck him in the starting lineup. Why he didn't continue with him, obviously they weren't having success in the field. Felt he had better options, and, and he, the kid needed to sit. But uh, you know, you're saying Michigan is the front runner right now. Yeah, they're it. Okay, so you're you're, you're banking your you're banking your sauce reputation on the Michigan signing. I am. Yeah. Okay, so you got good sources here. Um, Malik Murphy. Now uh, we'll go back to more. You got more still up there? Where, I do. Where's yeah. he from? Uh, he well, he went to school at UCLA. Yeah, we know that. But uh, he's from Detroit. So he's from. He's okay. So that makes more sense now when you say Michigan. So I was thinking West Coast kid. So he's a Michigan kid. So yeah, him going back home makes a lot of sense uh, to to that situation. And, and Harbaugh, if he stays at Michigan, if Harbaugh is still there, we'll have um, the kid's got a good. He has a reputation for a good strong arm. He's mobile. Um, just again, it's it's a lot to take in in the first year as a quarterback. So, and we've seen all these guys. Bo Nix is an example of that. We've seen a lot of these guys. Jalen Hurts blast from the past. A lot of these quarterbacks, because of the transfer portal, and you can look, you can look right down the Heisman, Baker Mayfield. That second, third chance sometimes is what kickstarts and, and makes their career go. So let's not let's not totally judge, uh, you know, Dante Moore based on, you know, what what he did at UCLA in those first few games. That's his first stop along the train ride, and curious to see what he can do because he was a five star kid out of high school. So okay, uh, last last one here, you're going to chronicle. Um, Malik Murphy is the last one we're going to talk about. He was at Texas. He was their backup when Quint Ewers got hurt. The game did look a little too fast for him. Uh, he played against Kansas State. It was a close game. He ended up pulling away. It did, as I said, the game looked a little too fast. He had three touchdowns, three interceptions, 477 yards, and a 46 QBR. And the teams looking at him right now are Oregon State, uh, Michigan State, and Cal. So those are the those are the three teams looking at him right now that he might go to. Now, did, did you hear it was Baylor Duke in the mix as well? Uh, Baylor and Duke, yes. Okay, so Oregon State, Baylor, Duke, Michigan State, and Cal. Yeah. So all programs that you know, Duke just lost their head coach. Those are all programs except for Oregon State. The Oregon State lost DJ. Uh, yeah. DJ. Okay. He's in the portal right now. Yeah. So we covered DJ last week. Also a big time baseball prospect for our baseball audience. You could you could see him in the the upcoming draft. So um, so that those are great quarterback situations because they need them. Oregon State I, I think would be a fun situation, although they do have a new head coach. So a lot of restart, rebuild, and his his search right there. But uh, you know he did well for Texas. He got him two wins. How many? What did, did he only have two starts? Uh, he had I think he had three three starts. Okay. So when you know when we're looking at the Florida State situation where they lost their quarterback, um, I guess Texas went through that too, where the committee had a chance to evaluate them without their quarterback, but their guy came back, Ewers, and uh, they look much better. People were thinking Arch or um, or uh, Man- Manning was going to be going into the transfer portal as well, but I love how they're handling him. They're talking to him, and again, by handling, I mean his his father, obviously. Peyton, Eli, his, his grandfather, Archie, if that those are the people counseling, Cooper is the dad. They're really preaching patience with him, which is rare in today's world where everybody's wanting things now. You would think if anybody would want it now, it would be a Manning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he seems to be 
happy there, learning, getting better. And when it's his time, it'll be his time. And I think he'll be healthier for it. Um, you know, we, we saw, we, lo- we, we cover a lot of recruiting with our group one-on-one here. So we get a lot of inside stuff. We were talking and, and really shedding light onto it, not on the air, but with coaches about Deion Sanders. Before the portal, Deion's recruiting class was ranked 70 in the mid-70s nationally. But we both know that in order to get ranked in the top 20, you have to have a, a, a minimum of you know 15 players signed. And that's not his philosophy. He didn't sign. He signed, I think, nine or 10 yeah. kids early. How is Dion right now? What, what was in the first week of signings in the portal? How did he, how did he make out here? He got six up like big time offensive linemen, which is, was Colorado's biggest need was offensive linemen. As you watch the game, Shador was being pressured like every other play. If you watched Oregon, you watched Washington, you watched USC, who doesn't usually get pressure. They were all pressuring him. And, he uh he went out and he dressed addressed his need with six big time offensive linemen, and that's that's oh, what yeah, Dion's a great recruiter. He'll get he'll get his players. He's made no bones about being transfer you basically, yeah. and he signed a ton his first year. We you know the whole world thought they were going to struggle, and all of a sudden the first two weeks right everybody tuned in. You and I did. We watched that game at midnight, and then he had an upset. They go from being unranked to 25th. So, you know, they weren't quite that good. There were holes in it, but he only had a couple months to recruit. Yeah. And he turned that, that roster over in a hurry. It's going to take a couple couple of turns to do that. So he does have a great quarterback. He's got a, a tremendous two-way player, right? Uh, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, my favorite player in college football. I love him. He's legit. Uh, got injured middle of the year. It hurt him when they, when they sputtered. Came back. I don't know if he was totally healthy when he came back, but... Um, Travis Hunter is going to be big time, but six offensive linemen. And then when they asked him what's next this week, he said he's going to go sign six defensive linemen. Do you doubt him? I don't know. I think he'll get six D linemen. So with six O line, six D line with them moving into the big 12, which is a little bit watered down. We could see a four, what were they? Four and nine this year for they have four, four wins. and eight, four and eight, four and eight, uh, Colorado team. They'll, they'll be in a bowl next year. I would gather. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And let, let them take their time. They'll be in a bowl. I know that's not considered prime time for everybody around Dion, but hey, it's a, it's it takes time to build, and uh, he's got the quarterback, he's got the the go to guy, he's going to get skilled players, but shoring up that line, he's I mean he sees right. What's what's Michigan, Alabama, Texas? Those guys are what? They're big time trenches teams. They dominate the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively. Those are the the style of smash mouth football. So the the transfer portal there. You got any anything else to add to it? You. Uh, you covered a lot with those three guys. You good? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we got the three highlight players. Okay. Next week we'll do three more. Maybe we'll get some other positions. There's a lot of big-time players out there, linebackers, D-backs. Maybe we'll do the non-traditionals next week and update you on the ones we have so far as to where they see if the sauce was right. We'll do a segment called Where the Sauce Was Right and Where the Sauce Was Wrong. So, okay, last uh, last segment here. want to cover, you know, we're coming back to the SEC right now. Uh, you, you've point well taken. The SEC has not ruined college football. I agree with you, but uh, SEC schedule came out right now, and um, it's daunting. Next year, the, the college football uh, playoffs expanded, go from four to twelve. But we could legitimately see two and three lost SEC teams battling for spots in that playoff, and then you want to hear some grumbling from teams mm-hmm. next year. So, so you picked. Was it three three teams you thought had tough schedules? Mm-hmm. Okay, just go one by one. Just pick. The, tell us the team, 
and uh, and just kind of take us through the games that you see as kind of key key games on their schedule. Well, I'm going to start with Alabama. Okay. Alabama in week five, they, they kind of have an easy first four weeks. They play Georgia at home. Uh, then three weeks later, they play at Tennessee, which we all saw that happen last year. That's a tough environment. Yes. Probably and, homecoming. That yeah. week, week eight looks like homecoming. Um, then three weeks later, they play at LSU. As we saw last year, that didn't go well for them. Um, I think those are all tough games. And then two weeks later, they play at Oklahoma. And I'm, I'm not positive on how Alabama's team's going to look. I'm sure they're going to be great, but I'd be surprised if they don't they get out of that with less than one loss. Okay, and that's not bad, right? Coming out one loss. They did that this year. Yeah. They had one loss. They did go undefeated in the SEC with a what everybody considered a rebuild year for Alabama, which, you know, when you have five-star recruits, I don't know if you can call it a rebuild. But um, the advantage they have is they, they return their quarterback, right? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on him? Um, I think he is – Going to be a great player. I think he's got a shot for the Heisman next year. Um, I think, obviously, he's a great read option guy. I think at some point in time he's going to get drafted, and I think he's going to play in the NFL someday. Uh, you know, his style, I believe, makes Nick Saban a little bit nervous. He does do the options well, but the part where he I, – I believe that he stands out. He ad-libs as good as anybody he's ever had. And it's one of those things, and Saban made a joke about it, where how do you respond when he starts, when Milton starts running around? He said, I do, the, I do like a basketball coach. I'm over there when the shot's being taken. No, 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 until the, it's caught. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so he's learned to adapt his style with this, this new age quarterback for him. And to, to Nick Saban's credit, he's done that year to year, and that's why he's always at the top year to year. Full package coach, can recruit, can, uh, has great culture, can teach, can adapt. So, so Alabama's got what you considered five really key games there. If they can come out winning the two home games, actually it's one home game versus Georgia where they, they kind of own Georgia a little bit, even though Georgia's on the SEC. And then they've got Tennessee LSU in a, uh, a very, which I think will be a tough uh, team next year, a very defensive minded Oklahoma team late in the season. So yeah, Alabama's got those four ones and I'm sure every game will be tough in the SEC. Who else? What's the next team you want to chronicle? Well, the next team we touched on a little bit is Georgia. Now, Georgia's only lost one conference game, one game in three years, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and so with Georgia, you know they they're they're they've got their style, and they are going to live with it. They win in the trenches. They run the game, but their their quarterback I was impressed with this year. They had the they had the walk on kid play well, and everybody loved them. But this kid I I, I really liked, and you know they're going to lose their tight end, and. They're uh, but they're loaded again like Alabama. So go through Georgia for me. Who are you? Picked out four games you stop. You 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 thought was important for Georgia to kind of overcome. Um, they play Clemson in week one, which is a tough out of conference game. Clemson had a down year, but they're going to come back and they're going to be great. Yeah, they're 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 doing it with freshmen. They're not doing it with transfers, and they're all about development. And they did. They got better as the year went on. I would not want to play Clemson game one at Clemson next yeah. year. And that's what it is to game one for Georgia at Clemson. So that game's in Atlanta, by the way. So oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. It's not at Clemson. Um, then they play, we touched on a little bit at week five, they play at Alabama. That's going to be a tough one. They play at Alabama. They lost Alabama. Um, so Alabama's kind of had their number a little bit. They, 
It's Saban's former assistant. But, you know, again, it's been a great battles every time they play. So somebody's going to drop one there. So we're going to have a one-loss team, one-loss SEC team, probably a one-loss top four SEC team in week five. So uh, that, that'll be tough for them. Who we got next for Georgia? Who's your next tough? Week eight, they play at Texas. Ooh. That's We saw how Alabama played Texas this year at home. That's not going to be an easy one. Texas is going to come back even stronger. They're going to have a great recruiting class, great transfer class. Texas is going to be a powerhouse for years to come. And now they have that SEC money that's coming in. They're going to be great. That's going to be a tough game. Well, te- Texas has Texas money too. They, they, yeah. Even when they weren't in the SEC, they were they had the money to pay players to get there. And, and now, which is a legal way with the NIL. But Texas is a mirror image of Georgia, correct? They beat you at the line of yeah. scrimmage. They run the ball. They've got smart quarterbacks that, that understand the system. They know their reads. So I Texas any time of the year is tough. But week eight, that's middle of the year. That's that's that that uh, like Wednesday is in the week. It's hump day right there. So week eight, uh, it's, that'll be tough for both. But it's at Texas, you said. Yeah, it's at okay. Texas. And then who is our fourth game there that? They play at Ole Miss. We okay. saw how they played Ole Miss. They killed them this year. Although Ole Miss, at Ole Miss is probably going to be a different story. If Ole Miss can come back, have a great transfer class, which is looking like what they're going to do, they're probably going to come back better and – I think Georgia is going to win that game, but that's still a tough game for Georgia. That's a long way away to predict it. You know, we'll see. But yeah, Lane, Lane Kiffin is a good coach. He he's always has tricks up his sleeves, especially when he plays Georgia and Alabama. And it is at Ole Miss. So so the games, I'm noticing a trend. They're all road games you're picking, basically. You know, Alabama, Georgia had Alabama at home, but seven of the eight games you picked as tough games for Alabama and Georgia, they're all on the road. The SEC on the road, I don't care what, where they're ranked. You got to come to play. So, okay, who's your last team you thought had a, a tough, one of the top, tough, top three schedules? Uh, Texas is okay. the last one. So, and I, I look at your list here, I'm cheating a little bit. So, again, three of those four games. Oh, no, all four of those games are on the road for Texas. Except right? for the Georgia one. Oh, no. that, that's the neutral. Yeah, yeah, it's neutral. No, that's a, that's a home game for okay, Texas. Te- okay, so three of the four are on the road, though. Yeah. Okay. So, who, who do you have, Texas? Who are their tough games? Uh, week two at a conference, they play Michigan. Oh, wow. That's obviously a tough one. Michigan's – nobody's done what Michigan's done the last two years in college football. That's going to be a tough one, obviously. So good for them. They they challenge their non-conference schedule. They play Michigan at Michigan in week two. Yeah. Okay. So Texas yeah. schedules tough out of conference teams. Um, then they play in week seven. They play at Oklahoma. That's going to be a tough one. That's a rivalry. Oklahoma beat them this year. Yeah. That's gonna be a tough one. It's same same place it always is in Dallas, and then now and, we we watched that game this year. Yeah, we also watched Texas beat up in Alabama. They beat them up at the line of scrimmage at the yeah. beginning of the year. We saw Oklahoma do the same thing to Texas uh, that I never would have thought anybody to do. So the 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 head coach at Oklahoma came from Georgia. Am no, he right? came from Clemson. Clemson. Okay, so that style of play, uh, Lanning came from Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, yeah Oklahoma style of play is Texas's kryptonite, basically. So Michigan smash mouth, Oklahoma smash mouth. Now they got who? They play. They come back home, and then very next week they have to play Georgia. So they go Oklahoma, Georgia, back to back. Back to back. That's just tough. I don't care who you are. I would be surprised if they don't lose one of those games. That those are two tough teams. They got to play back to back. So if they got out of that. And I'll ask you this for all three teams. If they got out of that three-game stretch two and one, you would say that would be successful? Yeah. Okay. So, again, we have to have a different perspective next year on the SEC because their in-conference games 
have been tough all the way through, but they no longer have that split division. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So yeah, now it's every man for themselves. How are they going to do the championship? Did you read on that at all? Is it just the top two teams? It's the top two teams. Okay. So that works out well. I think that's better. And then the final game for Texas that you thought was a tough one for them? At Texas A&M, their roster is one of the best in the country. Uh, They recruit really well. Uh, Now maybe you get a coach in there that handles it well. They start winning. That's their new rivalry game. Uh, They play Texas Tech for rivalry, used to, because conference game. Now they play Texas A&M. So if Texas A&M can play to the level of their players, then they're going to be great, and that's going to be a tough game at Texas A&M. Yeah, they do have talent. They're, I mean, based on their recruitment, they've recruited what the recruiting services say are talented. Now, how you mesh them together, that takes a little bit of time and energy, and you got to get the right pieces. So they do have talent there. Uh, they they will bring in uh, – they've got a Texas guy as a head coach, so he's going to recruit the heck out of that state. That is their new rivalry. So it's at Texas A&M. They've got the 13th man in the crowd, right? They've got their yeah. their fan base there. Now, so going back with all those teams, you've got Alabama, you've got Georgia, you have Texas. You picked out those three schedules, saying those were unusually tough schedules yeah. in conference. What would be success for you coming out of those four games, knowing that those are tough games, understanding that I mean, we're, it's very unlikely we're going to have an undefeated SEC team ever again. Yeah. So uh, one, one loss will be outstanding. Yeah. Two losses will be you're talking as a playoff team, I think. Yeah, well – the, whoever wins the SEC is going to get an automatic bid to the playoffs. That's the new uh, playoff rule. So I would be very surprised if there's a team that doesn't get one loss in the SEC, that gets zero losses in the SEC. I think Texas loses to Michigan. It sucks, but it doesn't matter as much because they, they that's not an SEC loss. So if they win the SEC, they still got a shot to make the college football playoff. Same with Georgia and Clemson. If you win the SEC, you're in. So... Out-of-conference losses don't really matter as much. Well, yeah, they, they give them points for that. There's a there's a weighted regression analysis that they go by to take away from them having to think, basically. It's it's analytics. So, yeah, so going, so coming out of those tough games, if if a team came out 3-1, and one, that'd be really successful. For that'd be, yeah, that'd be incredible. 2-2. Two, two. How would that? That'd be uh, – if they lost the out-of-conference one, in my opinion uh, – like Texas lost to Michigan and Georgia. That's tough. I would say that's a success for so, Texas. So that kind of 2-2, two, two, so you'd qualify. So if they were 2-2 two, two in conference, losing 2-1 two, and 2 in conference, that's not good. But if it's two losses and one of them happens to be the Michigan loss or Georgia's loss to Clemson, you can live with that. Okay, that makes sense. Makes sense. So I think we covered everything you wanted to get. We got the the conference realignment, the transfer portal, the who you thought were the top, the top schedules, toughest schedules in the SEC. We got Dion's success in the portal of Colorado. We'll follow the defensive stuff next week and report on it. I've got one question for you. It came through uh, one of our audience members. We saw Nick Saban hire a former Michigan coach, linebacker coach, to join his staff just in time for this uh, New Year's Six uh, national championship, uh, I guess, pregame, right? The, f- the final forward down to, to use a college basketball term. What are your thoughts on that? Gamesmanship, much ado about nothing. Uh, this is a serious game changer for them. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I don't think it's a huge deal. It's the former linebacker coach. It's not the one they fired this year. It's the one right before. They uh, agreed to part ways before the season. But uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I think you see, last week they played Iowa. or well, not last week, but last game they played Iowa. Cade McAmere. 
uh, knew all probably all their offensive signs. He knew a lot of their offensive signs. He used to be their quarterback yeah. there, and it didn't really help much. Obviously, they played great defense, but it didn't help them win. It wasn't a major factor. I don't think it's going to be a major factor. I think it's smart by Nick Saban. I think it's a really smart thing, and I think yeah. that's why he's uh, as great as he is. He knows what to do. And uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it's games. We'll yeah, if it gives him one little uh, tiny advantage on one play, then it's worth it for him. That's that's what they're after here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was interesting midweek. Not surprised by it at all. I thought thought that that. Um, you got one more thing you want to pop in. Um, and linebacking coach, I can't imagine he has much on the offense. I don't think he has all the offensive signs. I don't think he's got all that. Um, I think he knows a lot about the defense and I'm not worried about Michigan's defense. I think they got the best in the country. Um, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. The whole sign thing has gotten a little out of hand and you know, we, we, we joked on the air. We joked privately too, when Michigan played Penn state, they ran the ball between the tackles, what, 30 some odd times in a row. Yeah. And I mean, you didn't have to question what they were running. They still couldn't stop it. So, you know, when you're, the execution is the key. I think it's gotten out of hand with this whole sign stuff um, and everything. But it, we'll have an exciting uh, championship round, without a doubt. Alabama, Michigan is going to be great. Uh, I think the uh, our other game is Texas, Washington. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, Washington. All year long, I wanted not to like Washington. They just kept winning right up to when they played or uh, when they played the the Pac-12 championship. They were more than a touchdown underdog. So they keep proving me wrong. I, I firm believer in their offense. I think they can go. They proved they can defend. I saw that in the Pac-12 championship. But I again, I'm sorry, Washington. I'm going with Texas on this. I think we're going to see a Michigan-Texas final. Uh, but again, wouldn't be surprised if I was wrong on both. I have, I have uh, nothing to substantiate either. We'll come back next week and break that down a little bit more. Give you some more on the transfer portal. Talk about a couple more, couple more schedule uh, opportunities. More schedules will be out. And then uh, any hot topics you wanted to address us to address, please let us know. And the sauce will do his best to do that. Sauce, anything left to leave the audience with? Um, thanks for tuning in to the sauce. And uh, hopefully I get to come back next week. Yep, we'll see you next week. An audience trying to get to 61,000 by our last show next Friday, which will be the sauce. He'll close us out next Friday or Saturday. And uh, Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. Tan D20, T A N N, two N's D as in David, 20. That'll get you 20% off. Coffee's on the sauce in December. And he said he's going to foot the bill through the entire 2024 year. So he's feeling good about himself here, as good as he's feeling about Michigan. And Ted Kubiak, old school and how to field a ground ball, our very first guest on the network, uh, followed up actually by Dave Turgeon down at IMG. Uh, two great guests. Both guys know each other well. But Ted's book, Old School, and it is the evolution of America's pastime through his eyes, and then how to field a ground ball, uh, both on my bookshelf. I would get him for your baseball lover out there. And with that, episode 389 in the books, and this is The Sauce. I got the sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Who got the sauce? I brought the sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce.